So last week, we began this three-week sermon series. And if you look in your bulletins, you'll see that handout or the insert about it, talking about the journey. And, and you can look at it again later, but um, just talking about this, this journey that we're on as a church. And last week, we preached through or we talked about the, the amazing moment of Pentecost. And last Sunday was Pentecost Sunday, and we talked about this amazing time when the church, this tiny little group of about 120 people, received God's Holy Spirit. God's Spirit came down, and, and people began speaking in different languages, so much so that every nation, or uh, all the people from all over the Mediterranean who were there, began to hear these Galilean men speaking in their own language, and they thought they were crazy. So Peter got up, and he preached them. He talked, no, they're not crazy. This is exactly what the prophet Joel talked about. And this Jesus, who was, who was crucified and who died, he's the son of David. He's the great king. He's the Messiah that we've been waiting for. And it said that 3,000 people came to faith or joined their number that day. And I mean, think about this. I mean, we're a church of around 80 or so, kind of average. Um, imagine if this church went from 80 to 3,080 in one day. What an amazing moment it was. And it's interesting when you think about this because I, we talked about this story and then we started talking about our own great moments uh, in this church or in other churches we've been a part of. And I'm realizing or thinking about it this week, it's, that story is like a soundboard, a soundboard that you find in a piano. In a piano, there's the strings, but there's also this, this board made of wood that, that resonates. And when you strike the strings, um, you can imagine if we were, we'd all have to like huddle around like this to hear it if there were no soundboard, just to hear the, the strings plinking. But when you put the soundboard to it, the, the board begins to resonate and it fills the whole room. And these stories are like a soundboard and we, we hear the amazing account of what happened to the church in Acts, to the church in Jerusalem, that, that Pentecost. And it begins to encourage us in some of the great moments that we have in church or we've had in church. Well, this morning we're going to be talking some about uh, what that community looked like as we talk about things that we love about this church family. It's amazing, as I, we'll get into in a minute, but just reading through the passage, you see like, this is an amazing group that God had gathered together, and they were doing amazing things. They were devoting themselves to, to the way that Jesus taught the, the apostles to live, to their teaching and to the way they lived. They were praying together, eating together, together. They were sharing things. They were actually selling things to share things. So it was amazing to see what God was doing, and it makes, as I was reading, I'm thinking, man, I would love to be a part of that church. Imagine what it would have been like to be a part of that, that first, those first few weeks, those first uh, few um, uh, months as a, of that church of, that had gone from 120 to 3,000. <laughs> Can you imagine the chaos of it <laughs> as people were meeting in houses and, and sharing meals? So let's, let's read it um, quickly. Actually, I need a bulletin insert. There's a, if you look in your bulletin, there's this white sheet that has the, the passage there. If you want to look in your Bibles, it's at Acts 2, uh, verse 42 to 47. It says that this is, this is directly after what we heard last week, after the amazing uh, event of Pentecost. So it said, or Luke tells us, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he and she had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. <clears throat> this is an amazing 
church. It's an amazing church family, a group of people gathered around Jesus. And it's wonderful to hear what they were doing. They were devoting themselves to the teaching of the apostles. And I know we think about they were like devoting themselves, reading all that they taught. But I also realize too, when they say devoting to the teaching, they mean like they were actually doing. They devoted themselves to what the apostles told them to do or how the apostles taught them to live because they had been living with Jesus for those last few years. So they were, they were gathering together. They were devoting themselves to the teaching. They were praying together and they were eating together. The first thing it says, they were devoting themselves to the, to the teaching of the apostles. They were listening to the apostles, learning how to live. Because they had, these apostles, these disciples, these followers of Jesus had been following him for a few years now, walking with him along the, the roads of, of Galilee and through Nazareth into Jerusalem, watching him die and then rise again. Imagine what it would be like to hear from these men. They began to hear, they began to follow this, uh, the teaching, but they also began to hear what they taught him or what they taught about Jesus, about the new covenant that had come, the new covenant that had begun, but also that Jesus, who he was, that he was the Messiah, that he wasn't just some great teacher, some traveling um, um, person, a teacher or something like that, but he was also the Messiah, the Son of God. And he began to talk to them about what it meant to be filled with the Spirit, to be a part of God's kingdom. It was amazing what they were learning. And they were learning, actually, mostly in homes. They were devoting themselves to the teaching of the apostles, mostly in their homes. See, this early group didn't have a church building like this. They met in their homes. Sometimes they would meet at the, at the temple. Lots of them would gather together. Is anybody else hearing that? Is that my mic? No? Okay. Um, so they would, they would devote... Um, they would devote themselves to the teaching, but they would gather in homes to do it. Sometimes they would gather at the temple, but oftentimes they were meeting in homes. It was amazing. So they devoted themselves to prayer. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Um, we'll just keep going. <laughs> um, so they were um, also devoting themselves to prayer. Devoting themselves to prayer, and not only in terms of the relationship with God, but also in terms of asking God to do amazing things. It talks about many miraculous and wonderful things were happening. But it's interesting because they devoted themselves together. So as they met in these homes, they prayed together to be in relationship with our Father in Heaven first. I mean, there's a few ways, and I don't know if actually I'd say maybe this is the best way, the greatest way for us to spend time with our Lord with our Father in Heaven, our Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, is through prayer. Spending time listening. Spending time talking. Asking for help in our lives. So there's this relational component of prayer and they were devoting themselves to it. But also they were devoting themselves to praying for things to happen in their community. For people to be healed. For their friends' lives to be transformed. For God to guide them as they followed Him. They were devoting themselves to praying together, to gathering together in homes and praying. But it's also said, this is the interesting part to me, it says they devoted themselves to breaking bread or to sharing meals together. Interesting. You know, in the, in the first century, in, in the ancient Near East, uh, and especially in Israel, um, eating together was a way of drawing people into a relationship. It was a way of connecting with people. 
it was a way of, of um, making people kind of like family. And, you know, it, it's different now. It doesn't happen quite like that. Like, we can eat with people, and we don't expect them to, to treat us like family, or we don't necessarily expect, expect to treat them like family. But it, there are connections that form when we share meals together. I was thinking about it. Actually, just a, a couple weeks ago, we had some of our friends. Actually, they aren't a part of the church uh, yet. Um, but it was amazing. We had them over for dinner, and it was sort of like a first date, you know, because we hadn't really spent much time with them before this. And we were talking, and we talked about like faith and religion and all those things you're not supposed to talk about with people when you first meet. Politics, right? Um, we talked about all sorts of things like that. And it was so great. And when I think about it, I was thinking about it this morning, actually this week, that when they came, we were shaking hands. When they, when they arrived at us, we were shaking hands. But when they left, we were hugging them. And it was amazing. Like, it felt, I mean, it's subtle, but almost like that connection of family. And it all happened around a table, around sharing a meal together. It's amazing how sharing a meal together can do this, how the connections can form. How, also, too, at a table, there's little room for hierarchy. I know maybe in some houses, like, you know, you have the head of the table, but um, in our house, everybody just sits in different places. So how it sort of levels playing grounds, how it levels the playing field. So it's, it's this amazing time to gather together. And, and I think about um, the connections that were formed, and um, it's good. And so I see how, them, how they were gathering together to eat meals together and what this would mean for them. They began to treat each other like family. These people gathering together, this church, this group of people, this church family meeting. I mean, imagine 3,000 people, how many homes they would need to meet in. You could maybe fit maybe 20 or 30 people in a home, maybe. So how many homes were meeting throughout the week? People gathering together to devote themselves to the, to the apostles' teaching, the way that, that, that Jesus had taught them to live, praying for each other, eating meals together. It's amazing what God, what God was doing and what this early church looked like. It's amazing that they were praying and eating and devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. But it also talks some, Luke talks some about how as this family was meeting in the homes, this church family, they began to actually treat each other like family. Not perfectly. I mean, there's, there's stories in Acts where it wasn't always rosy. But it's amazing how they began to treat each other like family. To the point that they were, they were selling things. Not only were they sharing the things they had in common, like sharing homes, and, and I'm sure they were sharing things like tools and, and, and clothes, sharing food and meals, but also they began, some began to sell things so they could, they could provide for those who didn't have anything. What an amazing story. And Luke is excited to tell about this. He's, numerous times, especially through this little passage, but also in other parts of Acts, he talks about how this church family was sharing, how some were selling things to provide for those who had nothing. Like a church family, they were taking care of each other. What a testimony that is. What a testimony that is, that was to the community around them. I mean, in, in the ancient world, it's um, honor and shame were two important values. Like in our culture, your identity or like kind of your place in society is largely dictated by how much money you have, I mean, roughly. But in that culture, it was more about your honor of your family. So it's a big deal. If there was something shameful happening in your family, it was a big deal. But it's amazing how 
in that culture, it was sort of like this zero-sum game. There's always competition. Like your family gained honor by, by putting your family above another. And so you didn't really share things so much. I mean, maybe with a guest who'd come to your home, but there's sort of this competition between families. But to have this church, this family, this church family gathered around Jesus and actually leveling the playing ground, saying, our family's going to help your family because you don't have a place to live. Our family's going to help your family because we're actually going to sell a piece of our property. We're going to portion a part of it off and sell it so that we can help uh, pay for you to have food. It's amazing how they were sharing things and it testified to the community around them. Now, we started talking about this early church and, and I think, I mean, I don't know if you're feeling this, but oftentimes people get uneasy about sharing everything. I mean, all my stuff. Selling my stuff to give it to somebody else. Is that what we're supposed to do? I mean, is Luke saying here that this is how we are supposed to live? That this is what Christians are supposed to do? And I think, uh, in one sense, yes. I don't think he's saying this. I don't think Luke's telling us this story so that, to say that all Christians have to live in communes. Um, I don't think that's what he's saying. But I think it is good for us to let these first believers, these first followers of Jesus, challenge us. Challenge us to be more generous. Challenge us to do with less so we can help people more. Luke is excited about what's happening here and he tells us, he tells the whole church so that we would be similar. Maybe not exactly the same because as you read through, the, through Acts, I mean, some people sold everything and devoted it to, to the whole church. Some people sold just a portion. Some people didn't have anything to sell at all. So it's not prescriptive, not saying here's how you're supposed to do this church, but it is encouraging, it is challenging for us. Because I think about our community, our society that we live in. We live in a society that's becoming increasingly more individualist. You know, as long as I can take care of myself, I don't care what happens to other people. We live in a society that's becoming more and more selfish. It's more and more about me, what's important for me, what's good for me. We also live in a society that's kind of marked by greed. How can I get more? How can I get more and more and more? It's never enough. And so this, this ethic or this way of living testifies to the community, to the society around us when we are generous. I mean, an interesting thing that's happening, I hear this happening, is, is that Christians are being audited more by Revenue Canada. How many of you here have been, to, uh, been audited uh, in the last couple of years because you have a high um, um, donations or high um, charity donations? Yeah. Yeah, I see people raise their hands. Yeah, because people don't do that anymore. And they see like 10% of your income or more devoted as a charitable, uh, charitable uh, offering. And, and Sarah said, oh, wait a minute. We've got to go check this out because people don't do this anymore. And what a testimony is to the people around us when we actually are generous, when we share. It's amazing how, it, how that testifies to the people around. And I love how we as a church share. I'm actually wearing Rudy's shirt. Thanks, Rudy. I'm not sure how you ever fit in it. But. <laughs> Yesterday, we had the, the clothing exchange. 
Um, many of the, the women were here and some of the guys were here shopping for clothes from each other. I mean, what a way to, to, to uh, share things, to get more use out of the clothes that we have. It was brilliant and it was fun. Tracy came back with a big smile on her face and a big bag of clothes. <laughs> and we also gave a big bag of clothes away too, so it was like, it was great. But these sort of things, it's, I'm grateful for how we share as a church. I mean, it's not always perfect, I, I understand that, but I love how we share cars, how we share camping equipment. Mike and Janet are letting us borrow their trailer for our holiday. I love how we, how we share uh, tools, how women, how you share uh, clothing and, and craft ideas and crafting materials and gardening tips and plants. And I love how we share things. You know, that's, I know maybe we take it for granted, but that, that's happening less and less in the society around us. It's an amazing testimony. It testifies who we are as followers of Jesus. You see, when the way we live looks like our world, it's not really appealing to people. So if we say we're, we're, we're followers of Jesus and yet our life looks just like everyone else's, people say, like, what's the point? It's like there's no like, obvious difference and there's just more rules to follow. Why would I do that? But when we follow Jesus and we really follow him, we devote ourselves to the teaching of the apostles and the way they, they teach to live. And we still have their teaching in the Bible. That's why we read it so much. When we devote ourselves to living the way that Jesus taught, the way that Jesus taught us to live. It's prophetic. It's challenging to the society around us. It testifies who Jesus is and how he changes things in our lives. See, when people see the way that we live, when they see us gathering together to live as Jesus taught us to live, to pray together, to share meals together, to share things, even sell things to share with each other, people say, I think maybe I'd be interested in a part of that. I'd be interested in being a part of that community because they care for each other. So it's amazing what God was doing. He was was gathering these people together, this church, this church family together in homes to devote themselves to the teaching of the apostles, to praying together, to sharing meals together, and to sharing their things, even selling their things to share with each other. The thing that I loved about this the coolest part of all of this is that God was using it to draw more people into his kingdom. I mean, as good as it was for the followers then to be living this way and to be blessing each other and receiving the blessing, God was using this to draw more people in. So people were adding to their number daily. It's amazing. People saw the way that they were living and they were joining in. They wanted to be a part of it. It's amazing to see the fruit of this. To realize that, that following Jesus is not just some religious philosophy. But it actually changes our lives. When we follow him, and I don't just mean like we know what he taught, but we actually live the way he taught. To the point that we are sharing with one another. That we are devoting ourselves to the teaching of the apostles. That we are praying together. That we are sharing meals together that we are caring for one another like church family, that proclaims the gospel to the community around us. That proclaims the gospel to the community around us in ways that people, I think, I think people are hungry for. 
I mean, people so much, I hear people, whether they're a Christian or not, talking about community, about wanting connection, about not wanting to live life just on their own, wanting to have friends and neighbors who look after each other. I love how God was using all this to draw people in. And it reminds me, it reminds me that God's primary means of mission in this world is the church. I believe, I believe that the church, I mean, yes, the building, but more so the people, the people of the church, are God's primary way of proclaiming the gospel, of growing his kingdom in this world. And I love the way that he's planted you, the church, here in this community to be a blessing to this community. I mean, sure, to be a place where we can gather together and we can worship Christ, but also so to be a place to be a blessing or to be a group who's a blessing to our community, to be serving our friends and neighbors, to be living faith in front of them and even looking for opportunities to talk to them like, how are you doing? How's your, how's your life going? You know, mine's going actually really well because of who Jesus is in my life. And not that things are perfect, but because he helps me move, helps me live through even the difficult things. I believe that God uses you. You are missionaries to this community. We are missionaries to this community. Not that we go around beating people over the head with the gospel. That has, I'd say, proven pretty, uh, um, pretty useless but that we live our faith in front of people and we bless them and we encourage them. It's encouraging to me to see the way God uses this community to draw people in, to be a blessing to our, to our friends and neighbors around us. So this morning we talked some about hearing this story about this church, about who this early church was, about some of the things that we loved about them, loved hearing about them, the ways that they shared and ate together and prayed together and learned to follow Jesus together. And how God was drawing people to their numbers daily. The story becomes like a soundboard for us. As we, t- as we hear the story, our own story, about who we are as a church begins to resonate, begins to fill the room. And I just wanted to say, there's, there's a few things that I love about our church about you, the church. First thing is that I love the way that we care for each other like family. And I know, I, I mean, I'm going to be the first to say it, I know it's not always perfect. I know sometimes it hurts. Sometimes we don't really feel like it's family or like we're being cared for. But generally, as I see it, as the people talk about it over the years, I hear us the way we care for each other like family. I gotta tell you, I love it when, when we're talking about this and people, uh, in the congregation, they speak up and say, I've never felt family like I have at this church. And I'm grateful for it. I love the ways that we serve each other. I love to hear the stories of when you go, when I hear about one of you showing up at somebody else's house to help them when something's broke and they need help fixing it. I love hearing those stories of the ways that you show up for each other. I also love hearing the stories of the ways that you serve one another, the ways that you share things together. I can't, I mean, I could go on about how many times one of you or some of you have, have shared with me, shared with our family. It's amazing. And I think that's what God intended the church to be like. I love the way we treat each other like family. 
I also love how welcoming you are. How welcoming we are as a church family. I love it when I'm here and someone who's visiting comes up to me and says, you have an amazing church family here. I love how warm it is, how much, how welcome I feel. As soon as I walked through the door, people came up to me and started talking to me. They were interested in me. You know, and I know that, like, like I, just in the last few months, I've been traveling and visiting other churches, um, with some with the town and country, but also just other ways, or other situations. But um, I love it how welcoming we are as a church. I've been to some places, especially with the town and country trip, where I was like, I'm really grateful for you. I'm really grateful for our church in Balfour. Because not every place is this warming, or is this welcoming, this warm. And so I am so grateful for you. And I love it. I want to hear more when visitors come and say, I came in and people just started talking to me. They cared about me. I love to hear when you invite someone who's new and say, hey, we're going to lunch over at the Detour Diner. Come with us. Or we're having, we'd love to have you over for dinner this week. When is a good time? I love hearing these stories from you. So I love that we are a welcoming church. The last thing that I wanted to mention is that I love how we gather together in small groups. I love it how more than half of you are involved in some sort of small group, meeting sometime during the middle of the week to do things like devote yourself to the apostles' teaching, to follow the way Jesus taught us to live together, to encourage one another. I love how you gather together in small groups to pray together. I love how you gather in small groups to, uh, to share things with each other and to eat together. I love this. And I can't wait for everybody in our church to be a part of a small group. I think it's, one of the, the, it's the beating heart of a healthy and missional church is being part of a small group. I mean, this is great coming on Sundays and sharing and hearing the word of God together and singing together, this is awesome. But I believe that God intends more for us as his followers to be, to be uh, meeting together in groups, to meeting together in homes, sharing meals together, sharing our tools and our clothes with each other, living together like church family. I'm grateful. I mean, I, I, it's interesting. I mean, I, again, like I hear other pastors talking about it saying, yeah, we're trying to, trying to get small groups going. I think we've got one so far. And I, I, I'm grateful. I praise God to myself. Sometimes I talk with him about, yeah, we're more than half of our church is involved in a small group. I'm grateful. That's one of the things I love about this church. So I've been talking some about you know, the, the first century church and what was great about them. I've shared some of my own things that I love about us. And I, I'm interested to hear from you. What are some of the things that you love about this church?